0: Why a- Hello and a howdy, we're so very glad to see you Cause we're getting kinda rowdy and we got a lot to say And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you And we
1: hope you'll be delighted by the time you go
0: away That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed, yeah, right H-I-A-C Talk Radio is always
1: exciting You will deal with that Atlas harshly I think he broke it Don't
0: you marry me, don't! And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio the Hell in a Cell Talk Radio Hell in a Cell Radio Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and Sheldon's mama. Hello. Welcome to HIC Talk Radio, the wrestling historian. We wanted to put this on the front end of it because this is technically history of wrestling, but uh, I caught up on the AEW Dark Side of the Ring stuff. So we're gonna talk about that before Craig takes us on a little trip back to the before times. I'm Jan Kofchiko, above average comedian, Craig LeGonzovic, yeah. And welcome to the show. Now, you've been asking me for two weeks and I was like, I finally was like, all right, I'll catch up on everything. Caught up on the Dark Side of the Ring stuff. Let me be perfectly clear. On the Nick Gage one, as badly as I wanted to watch it, in seven seconds, as soon as it showed up, I turned it off. I really, I skipped it. I was like, "I'm out. I don't care. I don't care. I know I'm garbage. I'm a garbage person, but you know, I, whatever. Whether you like his wrestling or not, I totally get it. I get the hardcore wrestling thing. Mm-hmm. That people don't like it. Guy, I, I, I understand. Right." One of the nicest dudes I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And while we're talking about uh, accountability and paying your dues, speaking of which he did, he did what he did. The other guy didn't mention him earlier. He did his time. Society deemed his time was done, Mm -hmm. which doesn't happen these days. So yeah, that is my line in the sand. Uh, person of interest um, So uh, My differences with the other person's side I really wanted to watch this because I like Nick Cage and I like That people like him and I like that he's a draw um, I used to watch A lot I've grown out of And I don't mean like if you know If you watch hardcore wrestling you're not a grown up I'm not about that I'm not about I'm not about gatekeeping I mean, You're not doing that Craig I don't mean that Right. You just don't like it you don't watch it. You don't go out of your way to tweet, you suck for watching this. That gatekeeping. I'm not here to tell you that. I used to watch it religiously and I just, I don't have the stomach for it anymore. Right. That being said, I'm glad he got his time because I do think it's a very good story. Mm-hmm. And one that it was told pretty straight up from what I heard because I, after I skipped on it, I was like, Dean, how did it go? And he goes,
1: it was pretty straight up.
0: It was you straight
1: know, up. It was because he got luckily, you know, the, the most everyone involved in the K, Nick Gage story is still alive, it's still around. That's true. <laughs> to, to to tell it, and there's plenty of eyewitnesses, and, and even, you know, John Moxley, um, they showed clips of his matches with him, and, you know, and David Arquette uh, also uh, chimed in and everything. I just, it, the whole thing was just a, you know, um, even if I'm I'm watching this for the first time, uh, just independent of this, I'm just watching someone just m- go out of their way to mutilate themselves and to mutilate others without having a care in the world, and you know having people say, well, and did he just took a pizza cutter and it's like okay, put it on my head, but then he started slicing my tongue, because now I'm looking at it, it's like what what's your problem, man? And I get is is um. His appeal and his hardcore not to quote unquote hardcore fan base, meaning that they're, they're very passionate fans of Nick Gage. If you're a fan of Nick Gage, you're, you know, you're there with him all the way and you'll stick with him and you stuck by him. And, you know, he's got a very fervent, passionate fan base and any person, whether I like them or not, if they have a passionate fan base, you have to, you know, respect that and you know give a tip of the hat to that because especially in professional wrestling having a loyal fan base is you know is the thing. Hard to, yeah <laughs> it's the thing yeah it kind of keeps uh, the wrestling business for what it is
0: I just wanted uh, to alive. point out I just wanted to point out that uh, I didn't watch it because I didn't not watch it because of Nick I very yeah. much like Nick and right that's a that's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the other guy that <laughs> it's like I yeah. watch it. I, I don't. I can't. I can't. Yeah, do it. and uh, and it makes the, me physically angry. This person,
1: I get it, and so does. And well, just like a lot of people, like Nick Gage makes people physically angry yeah. because he as as many fans as he has. He has just as many enemies and people that don't like him and the people that look down on him and his type of wrestling. And you know, first time I met him, he
0: mm-hmm. shook my hand. He goes, "I've
1: heard a lot about you,
0: and you're crazy." Coming from Nick Gage. Okay. And, and I was still intimidated. I was like, I'm going to go. Of course. I'm going to walk over here. Uh, we filmed a documentary. Uh, <laughs> God, it's such a touchy subject. We filmed a death match, the, the Tournament of Death uh, documentary. With was myself, Dean Dixon, and
1: Justin America. And uh, it was very well done,
0: received very well by everybody who saw it. And then nothing. they did nothing with it. Wow. Which is the perfect summation of CZW. That being said, there is a moment that will rain on the cutting room floor in the ether forever. Because I was specifically told, don't record Nick Gage backstage. And so I didn't. Okay. Until he was in Gorilla. Mm -hmm. And his music was playing before he goes out. And he's getting pumped out. And there's like a secondary bridge curtains where right. there's gorilla and then backstage. Right. And I had the camera. And I said, this is gonna be look this is gonna look great in black and white over an interview yeah. or over music, something dramatic, just watching himself pump up. And even I got goosebumps. I was like, as we all said, this might not be your thing, but there's a man that's supposed to that's gonna go out there and perform some art for some motherfuckers, and he's he's yeah. He's getting in the mindset, and I really wish that would have made it, but for obvious reasons, that was cut off, cut off yeah. cutting room floor. So, uh, I, I will try to watch it when I'm less angry at this person. I understand. Not Nick Gage. Nick Gage is cool, and I want to see the rest of that episode. So, i yeah. watch it another time. That, that being
1: said, mm-hmm. how do you feel about The Ultimate Warrior? Owen? Well, you know, the A&E biography, Jump a Gun, because Dark Side of the Rings, Ultimate Warrior, was Speaking coming out Speaking of skipping, this week. by the way. Yeah, was was, <laughs> was, uh, was coming out. So A&E moved their warrior biography up to kind of counteract piece. the Dark Side of the Ring. Fourth piece! Warrior's Dark Side of the Ring was, you, you got here from where the A&E, A&E, you got here from his second wife, his, uh, his widow, the dark side of you he got to hear from his first wife, the person who knew him the best, and she was more familiar with the wrestling business, and you could tell just from the, her her language and how she spoke and how she she knew, you know, I think she was a fan of of wrestling, more of a wrestling fan than Warrior ever was. That's it, uh, and you don't have to yeah. try her for that. Yeah, for, for that, but uh, that, their uh the A&E's, uh, biography was kind of i i don't know what it is about their their talking heads uh because a couple of it was unnecessary jake roberts and i don't know what his um a why he was on the warriors um any biography because he told the story that was completely false of his bad blood with the warrior and obviously any he, right, he Rather yeah, that was that was odd to me because he talked he said and for those of you who didn't see it Jake the Snake Roberts came on bitterly speaking about the ultimate war how the ultimate war he was going to have a he was in Jake the Snake Roberts said he was in line for a world title run not a title shot a world title run uh against Hogan after uh Warrior and they were going to they were going to have a feud but then the Warrior. This is one the time that the Warrior wrote that 18-page letter to Vince, and uh, at after SummerSlam, he was fired right after he came by a Gorilla. And Vince said to to Jake after Warrior was fired, "You have the worst luck of any human being I've ever known, because now the Warrior was gone. That means Jake's title run was out of the picture." Jake the Snake Roberts, despite his immense popularity, was never, ever in line for a title run of any kind. And that sequence of events took place. Roberts was, he had already, they they had already brought in Rude and, uh, to face Warrior for the title. They brought him back actually for over the title. So he was gone. So Jake had, had uh, done the deal with, uh, with Randy Savage and that was his feud going forward. So he wasn't even in line for the uh, the title shot they talked about and he said when he was and he told the story about when the Warrior came back for the Hall of Fame. He had a, a sock full of quarters that he was going to sock him with. And it never happened. And they cut that with the Warrior and Jake seeing each other at the Hall of Fame and just instantly recognized each other and smiling and shaking hands. So I don't know where the, the sock full of quarters came and that his bitterness towards um Ultimate Warrior, which is justifiable because everyone did. I was gonna say, I mean I, yeah. I get it. Yeah, obviously. Uh,
0: I, but I Oh go I, ahead. I'm sorry. No, go no, ahead. No, but I
1: just I don't know why Jake Roberts his whole why he was even in the the A and E uh biography and all I mean the uh the dark side with Ultimate Warrior at all, because he contributed absolutely nothing and what he just said was a lie and he, it really wasn't necessary for his, his whole segment it wasn't even necessary. That was my only complaint about it i I just don't understand how
0: one would deem a company trustworthy still, after you spent a good twenty years talking about what he did to you and how terrible he was to you and holding up money and a garbage human being, and blah blah, blah, blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. To then go Also we have the warrior
1: Yeah I don't get that either And and out out of all the the Yeah out of all the people that have Done wrong in the sport why Warrior kept getting chance after chance After chance But, um,
0: But on the other but then the other side of it Dude is That of all the people When you have all these other people Doing worse that he was the Guy that you went after for 20 years Yeah it's just as confusing on the other side of it when Stuka
1: walked around yeah or hogan mm-hmm. i do yeah. you, you, if you watch dark side of the ring and the aew one back-to-back you kind of get uh the uh a whole like network tv movie of one guy's uh misguided uh career choice uh the the a and e the the dark side of the ring really focused on his beginnings and his childhood and his um his fascination with the human body wanted to get it bigger if the if the wrestling thing didn't work out, he was gonna be a chiropractor he probably would have been the most muscle bound chiropractor in the state of georgia in the history of atlanta uh if this hadn't worked out but uh he saw how how bad he was in the ring and how much he pissed everyone off you know Keenan, you know, had nothing but a horrible thing to say about him because after Bobby said, "I've got a bad neck, watch my neck," and Warrior didn't care and dropped him on his head, and
0: that that Andre the Giant story is still one of the funniest. Yeah, where he's but- where he's um, he's wrestling him every night, and you know, Warrior comes off the ropes to clothesline Andre, and Andre's going to take the clothesline, go over the ropes, mm-hmm. and He's going to, you know, he he, a big, giant guys. It takes some time to set up for the, you know, the flip over. And here comes Warrior at a thousand miles an hour. Knocks him out. I mean, knocks him, knocks him, really <laughs> Damn, knocks yeah. him over. Mm-hmm. And the way Bobby tells it, he, one night he got out, knocked out of the ring. You he just heard him go, hmm. Two nights later, same thing. Thousand miles per hour over the ropes, really hits him in the chin, really knocks him silly. You just hear Andre go.
1: Mm. Night
0: three, same match, same sequence. This time when Warrior turns around at a thousand miles per hour, big, huge seven foot fist waiting for him. Boom. Just like yep. this. Yep. <laughs> knocks, it, knocks him silly. Knocks him for a loop. Knocks the paint off his, as, as Bobby says, crack the paint on his face. <laughs> Night four. Here comes wow. Warrior. Taking his time.
1: Uh, that.
0: yeah. Does the clothesline, knocks Andre out. And as Andre's getting up, he looks over at Bobby. You know, Bobby does the manager thing, and he just says yeah. to Bobby, he's learning. <laughs> One of the best stories I've ever heard. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, love but, it. And, you know, and I really like, I liked the Ultimate Warrior character. I know he's in that sphere of waste of time, stupid, not wrestling. I, I. God, and I understand that point of view I get it
1: but I, as a kid uh, I was alright let's go and that was my problem the difference Dan between the dark side of the ring take on Ultimate Warrior and the A&E, A&E biography in Ultimate Warrior dark side of the ring had actual people that dealt with the warrior actual wrestlers wise trainers whatever A&E had podcasters Guys that were fans of the Warrior when they were nine, and they have nothing bad to say about him because you were nine. And if I was nine years old, yes. Guess what? I wasn't nine years old in '88 when Warrior was a big deal, and I still marked out over his 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 uh, ring entrance. That was huge. I saw him at the Spectrum, and the place went nuts when his um when he was going with the Honky Tonk Man in the return matches. And uh, the place went nuts. And I was one of them. And I was in my 20s. So I I get it. But if you look at what the Warrior did once the music stopped, he's like the Undertaker to me. It's like, what's the attraction? Okay, I got the the big deal was the entrance. It's all downhill from there. So the the people that they had on the A&E biography, talking in glowing terms of the Warrior, were fans when they were nine years old you saying that as a podcaster I would have not have had a
0: fair and balanced opinion of The Ultimate Warrior you would have had a fair and balanced opinion yeah would they have would been have, been have lot- cut me
1: <laughs> uh, yeah it would have been a lot more fair and balanced than the guys that they were talking to uh,
0: well no to be fair it wouldn't have been fair and balanced I would have called him a homophobe and a racist and all the things that I think he is and he would have been like well we can't use any of this shit
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, you
0: know- the Brian Pillman one yes also kind of blew my mind. There's what? apparently so much more about him that I did not know.
1: Didn't, wasn't a fan of the prophylactics.
0: He no, was. no, no, he was not. He's very much not a good go- pulling the goalie kind of guy. <laughs> he his, his his, him coaching an NHL team would have never worked out if they were down by one goal in the third period with a minute to go because he was incapable of pulling the goalie.
1: Yeah.
0: Um <laughs> But... Also, don't know he was kind of a jerk to his wife.
1: Didn't know that. Yeah. Um. And his wife was kind of a jerk too. uh, Match made in heaven, baby. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it was that that was kind of mine, you know. Eye opening. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, what was the other one that I saw? Oh, the collision in Korea. Mm -hmm. Please know that and I don't mean this as a a, um, comment on their character, Mm -hmm. because I sure as hell ain't going to tell Scott Norton, you liar.
1: (laughs) But, and I like Eric Bischoff, but this came off as a propaganda piece.
0: against (laughs) It really did. My feelings aside on world relations and politics, I understand that. uh, I think some of it was inflated. Some of it.
1: Yeah, I not, I, I not
0: all of it. I do believe oh, his police story. I believe that story, but
1: some of that stuff, I I don't. The thing, the two things that got to me about this, and I didn't think it was worth an hour. I didn't think it was worth an hour. You know, no, it was way it. too anyway, long. Uh, but I I highly doubt that if, if it was such an intense police state and the Americans were such under such watch and such scrutiny and such hatred. I highly doubt Eric Bischoff just could have just gotten up and left his hotel room and started jogging by himself out in Korea. That that was I call bullshit on that. And the other thing, how did they just how did the second half of it just become about Tuko Scorpio and Hawk fighting? Uh, because that's all they had because there's no story there. They, but even that's bullshit because I don't he was going to have a knife and he was going to stab him. They were going to settle it out. Do you think uh, any of that actually happened? I, I know that there was something on the bus that I that I've heard from at least two other people you that think were there. He just
0: I know I'm saying this in 2021 when what is happening around the world happened. You think he was just like N-word? No. <laughs> no that no, I was I, like I was like, really? Of all the things I've yeah. heard about him, I'm like, I, Yeah. I, I,
1: uh, but, by the way, two
0: Scorpio yeah. is awesome.
1: By the way, yeah, that he is now Keith because he is someone that I've met on, on yeah, a few, more than a few occasions. Great guy, great guy. But I, but I, I've heard and I've heard from him about his fight with fight with Hawk on the on the bus and exactly what he said when Flair because Hawk and Flair were close. They they had the Minnesota connection. And and, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, the first time um Hawk's first world title defense, the first great at the very first great American Bash at Betts Stadium was against Hawk. It was Ric Flair uh, and Hawk. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, they, they've they always gotten along because they right. work better because it was Hawk when he started, when Flair w- liked to get the big muscle-bound dudes that he could bounce off of, that he could sell, that can gorilla press slam him. That's where he had his best matches were, and his matches with Hawk set him up for his matches with Sting because that's, Someone that he know I can work with and I can make a ton of money with. Better wrestler. Exactly, Sting and but and Lou and all those muscle bound guys that you know started with Kerry Von Eric and went up to went up to Sting. Luger, but anyway, not um, a better wrestler. No, not a better wrestler, but they still drew a ton of money. But that was all Flair. Not true, but uh, but with Sting and Hawk, uh, because when when Scorpio told uh they were all on the bus and Flair was sitting out outside looking for he didn't have a ride. And Scorpio said, you know, let that motherfucker walk, you know, and that's when Hawk said something to him because that was his friend, and that's when they got into it on the on the bus. How that escalated into the yeah, and <laughs> and you know, then I punched him in the face, and Hawk went down, and that kind of thing. And I and Norton kind of explained that Hawk was on, you know, obviously we know Hawk had had been medicated yeah. quite a bit, and and that's why it was even a fight uh, uh, because. Hawk in the clear mind still would have killed him. I believe Ian Hawk under impairment still would have.
0: I compare it to a uh, 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 an artist at, or like a musical, uh, um, a rock band or a touring yeah. act,
1: uh-huh.
0: like who have been together for 30-40 years and have seen more mileage and more terrain than you and I ever will. Yeah, and you're asking them to remember something happened in ninety. <laughs> I'm like, I may. Uh, 'Cause you know, like there's been studies done that your memories may not necessarily be what actually happened. Yeah. It might actually be an a- affectate, a- that the word?
1: affectation. affectation. Of what actually happened? Yeah.
0: A little overblown a little here or and there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: know I overblow stories sometimes. No. Not on here, I'm completely honest.
1: Yeah, but I, I <laughs> everything here is completely accurate. Yeah. But I, but I but I, I don't I that's the only thing I didn't like about that i didn't think it was necessary for it to be an hour's worth um I, I it was a great story but it could have been told in in 20 minutes and i don't know why it became about scorpio and hawk's fight or uh but yeah i know the other stuff i know that they some of them were legitimately scared i know norton was but i would be yeah but i, I would I told have told him to go pound yeah. center i'm not going yeah. yeah
0: oh i popped they got a noki. Yes. I couldn't believe Anoki was show, showed up was like, let me tell you the story. Like, what the how yeah. f- they got anoki for this? What is, yeah. is he busy?
1: <laughs> the big deal.
0: That was but, uh, that was my most I was like, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, did anybody else ask him about it? anything else? Where's my Anoki documentary? Why the fuck isn't there an Antonio Anoki? Goddamn well, biography.
1: Why, well, if you're going to the dark, dark side of the ring and you can get a Noki for for the clash in Korea, why can't you get a Noki for his fight with Muhammad Ali? That's... Yeah, they kind of brushed that. And they also yeah. brushed the Ricky Dozan thing. Yeah. They, they kind of just
0: mentioned it.
1: Yeah. And the, you know, there was always hatred between Japanese and Koreans. And, uh, that, and it goes back to Ricky Dozan. I, I, know, need, I,
0: I need more of that. I yeah. want the Antonio Anoki story, the real yeah. Antonio. If he's doing
1: interviews, yes, yeah, that's the dark side of the ring. That's sign that the fuck, yeah, let's yeah. go. Anyway, go, sir, the show is yours. Thank you, Dan, and and um, did you happen to see the Cactus Jack? Ain't I have not. Of... That's the that is the last one okay. I did not see. I will
0: uh, the McFoley one. I was kind of like, you know, I've seen six versions of the McFoley one. <laughs> one. I'll the... wait on that one. This one is probably uh, the best. The problem with me, the problem with me, <laughs> many, uh, the problem I see is, is can you comp- compact that in an hour? Not right, no.
1: Uh, well, the, the, uh, McFoley, uh, the A&E biography is two hours. Oh, never mind. Yeah. And it, it's very hard. Did I didn't think
0: they were in an hour. What's wrong with me? No, Dark Side of the Rings, an hour. Yeah, I'm confusing my life here. I Listen, think, I watched, yeah. I've been to the mall and towards the end, I was like,
1: am I watching it What's going on? Yeah. <sighs> Well, I, I have some several uh tidbits in this edition of wrestling story that ties into uh Amy's uh not only Amy's biography, but also The Dark Side of the Ring. So fans, if you'll come with me on a journey back to when uh, uh, wrestlers weren't being cut, if anything, they were being uh promoted and marketed. And if you stayed in one territory and were good. You can also wrestle in another territory at the same time back when wrestling and promoters got along with nothing but a handshake deal where it was all about putting on the best show possible for the fans. And on one card, you could see world champions from different federations on the same card from different territories on the same card back before there were pay-per-views, back in the advent of cable TV, when fans were fans and not called the universe. This, gentlemen and ladies, is the Wrestling Historian. We're gonna start uh, May 29th in Houston, Texas. I'm sorry, May 29th, 1977 in Houston, Texas, and a show promoted by Paul Bosch at the Sam Houston Coliseum. On this particular card, the AWA heavyweight champion, Nick Bockwinkle, went to a draw with Jose Lothario. The World Wide Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, superstar Billy Graham, defeated Mike the Alaskan York The NWA heavyweight champion, Harley Race, was scheduled to defend his belt against Terry Funk, but Harley Race couldn't make it. So, in his place, taking on Terry Funk, was the AWA heavyweight champion, Nick Bockwinkle, who wrestled twice on this card and went to a draw with Terry Funk. You're going to pay me more? Yep. Yeah, because you've earned it, Nick. But had Harley Race made that show, May 29th, 1977, you would have seen all three world champions on the same card. The AWA champion, the NWA champion, and the WWF champion on that same card. Can, can you imagine? Back then, 70s, yes, I could. But I'm saying, could you imagine yeah. what
0: would happen to the internet? Yes. In a, if that happened today? I, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. One day, I'd love to see that.
1: Yes. If you can get a WWE champion, the AEW champion, and the Impact champion, or even the ROH champion. The NWA champion, the ROH champion, champion,
0: or just contracted wrestlers.
1: Yeah. Wow me wrestling. Yeah. But in 1977, the the WWF, the AWA, and uh, the NWA champion, the Harley Race, could not make it. But the AWA champion, Nick Bockwinkle, always trooper, wrestled twice. Went to, a, went to a draw with Jose Lethario and went to a draw with Terry Funk. On the fly. Yes. In Houston, Texas, 1977. But seven years later, Dan, staying in that same realm, May 29th, 1984, at the Brendan Burns Meadowlands Arena, making its debut in that arena, was the NWA. And on that card, Attended by such prominent East Coast wrestling fans like Tommy Dreamer, Stevie Richards, Bubba Ray Dudley. We got to see stars from Georgia Championship Wrestling, the Mid-Atlantic, Puerto Rico. And the card with the national heavyweight champion, Ronnie Garvin, defeated Jake the Snake Roberts. The national tag team champions, the Road Warriors, defeated the team of Handsome Jimmy Valiant and King Kong Bundy. And making their Northeast debut, taking their feud that was going on now for eight years, the United States heavyweight champion Ricky Steamboat went to a 32-minute feature match with the NWA heavyweight champion Ric Flair. Uh, Flair came out on top in 32 minutes, but that was the first time East Coast fans got to see Flair versus Steamboat. And wow, the NBA, that, they
0: mentioned that the, in,
1: in the Meadowlands? That was the very first Clash <sighs> of... That was called the, the Clash of Champions. I'm sorry, the Knight of Champions. The very first Knight of Champions. And the ring announcer for that special night, Dan? Bob Costas.
0: Oh, that's right. Wow. <laughs> Brendan Byrne Arena, yep. which is now
1: a mall, sort of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> We don't know. But on that night, you had stars from Georgia, Mid-Atlantic, Puerto Rico. Uh, Carlos Colon was on that card defending the, the uh, WWC championship. But the NWA champion, Ric Flair, took on the United States champion, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, it was the debut of the NWA there. And for fans like me who had only read about it in the After Magazine, they were finally and there. And uh, a month later, they came to Philadelphia. But uh, that was the NWA debut. So that day, May May 29th, in in Houston and and in New Jersey, you had a a confluence of wrestlers from other territories all wrestling on the same card. Again, something I would love to see now, but back then it was it was commonplace. And even in '84, after the expansion with the WWF, to see wrestlers from the NWA different territories and the AWA show up uh, was still a, a big deal. Uh, May 30th. Speaking of, of big deals, uh, the subject of this coming week's, uh, this week's Dark Side of the Ring, uh, is going to be the uh, the tale of Grizzly Smith. Well, his oldest son celebrates his celebrated his 66th birthday on May 30th. Happy 60 belated 66th birthday to Aurelian Jake Smith Jr also known as Jake the Snake Roberts. If any of these are not going to be a fluff piece. Uh, the <sighs> the tale of Grizzly Smith that will, that will air tomorrow night on Dark Side of the Ring may be the most disturbing one. Uh, if any wrestling fans out there know the tale of Grizzly Smith and his his children, uh, not just Jake the Snake Roberts, but Sam Houston and uh, Rock and Robin, uh, they're all related. Uh, they all grew up under Grizzly Smith. Uh, this is something to why well, now. I admit I only know some of the the legend of Grizzly Smith. I don't know how much is real and how much is just talk. I'm I'm hoping this Dark Side of the Ring will fill in those blanks. I if now if we were just talking about how wrestlers have a, a, a conflated uh, history of what happened to them, the way Jake Roberts talked about his title run that never happened, or how Tuco Scorpio talks about knocking out Road Warrior Hawk. I'm going to take what Jake says. This could be different since he is talking about his own father and his relatives, so I'm hoping the hyperbole and the uh, the, uh, the, the the flights of fancy are actually more accurate in this go-around, but uh, Jake... I was gonna say I always remember watching Beyond the Mat for the first time, mm-hmm.
0: and Jake kind of he doesn't. It's not a passing comment, but he he mentions why he why he exists. Oh, because my daddy raped the little girl who was sleeping in the bed, and then brushed past it. Yeah, and kept going on. I'm like, and I was like, whoa, oh, whoa! Can we stop the truck for a <laughs> second? Can we go back to the rape part? Can, does anybody want to address what he just said? And, oh, oh, we're going to go wreak Leaves with him now. Oh, well, this is weird. <laughs> Never understood that.
1: Yeah.
0: As a yeah. kid, because that movie came out and I was yeah, that, 17, uh, I that, eight, 16,
1: 17,
0: and he says it. I'm just like, <laughs> hold on a minute. Yeah. <clears throat> let's talk about this for a second did anybody um oh he was born out of love and I still love him that those words echoed with me as a child for was well, a child as a young teen mm-hmm. for a long time at the end of that little scene with him the scene it was filmed real life with him raking leagues with his dad was
1: he was born out of love and I still love him okay i uh, i
0: the quote Forrest Gump, I might not be a smart man, but I do know what love
1: is. Yeah, It's not that. No. We're not but all definition. right. Yeah, not his definition. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, Tomorrow Night, The uh, Life of Grizzly Smith and uh, his children, and a happy belated 66th birthday to Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, stemming on today in professional wrestling history, we just talked about Uh, The great Antonio Inoki, maybe next to Giant Baba, the most influential, greatest wrestler in the modern Japanese wrestling history. Well, uh, June 2nd, 1983 was the first international Grand Prix wrestling tournament, uh, the uh, IWGP, as it's known today. Well, the first tournament was held June 2nd, 1983, and uh, it, it featured a who's who of some of the greatest wrestlers of all time greatest international wrestlers uh sadly some of them aren't uh here anymore but uh the great otto wands uh dino bravo killer khan uh antonio Inoki, of course, and hulk hogan uh, uh and did i mention andre was also in that tournament you
0: just uh, yes now yeah, you did.
1: yeah andre uh big john stud were also and it was a round robin tournament and um it was a point system. You got a point for a pin, you got a point for a countout, or one point for a disqualification, what have you. So at the end, uh, Hogan and Anoki both had 37 points and Andre had 36. So Hogan and Anoki went out in the finals. Well, uh, during the final match, uh, Antonio Inoki was on the apron of the ring and Hogan went off on the other side and hit Anoki with his clothesline, his standard clothesline. Uh, the rings in Japan don't have a lot of space between the ring and the uh, canvas. So, Anoki lost his balance after being hit with the clothesline, which is supposed to be a standard bump. But Anoki lost his balance and fell headfirst on the concrete and knocked himself out. The referee, who had no idea what to do because uh, that was not the planned finish, uh, counted Inoki out and awarded Hogan the uh, the title, so Hulk Hogan not only become the first American, but will become the first ever International Wrestling Grand Prix (IWGP) champion ever. Uh, that same belt that's, that's still being <laughs> held today, bless you. Uh, that it's been held by such Americans as Vader, Brock Lesnar, and AJ Styles. But the first American to hold it and the very first tournament took place today, June 2nd, 1983. I have no oh. doubt had yeah, had had Hogan not knocked out Inoki, that Inoki would have gone over. Uh, but that really made Hogan's... Because uh, they still talked about it whenever Hogan came back to Japan. And this was Hogan when he was still in the AWA. Uh, and that his legend just grew because... American wrestlers, because of the popularity of Hulk Hogan, that opened the door for other big American wrestlers like Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Vader, and um, the like. But started June 2nd, 1983. Uh, that same the same day today, 1987, June 2nd in Buffalo, New York. Dan. Good oh boy. I know mean, nothing but good things happened in Buffalo, New yeah, York, except for a sports championship. <laughs> a little more than two months after winning the Intercontinental title, what some people still consider if the greatest match of all time or probably the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Ricky, the dragon steamboat uh, three years after wrestling Ric Flair in uh, the Meadowlands, Ricky Ricky Steamboat would lose the Intercontinental Championship to the Honky Tonk Man on this date in 1987. which would start the longest reign in Intercontinental Championship history. It's been 34 years, folks, and no one, repeat, no one has held the Intercontinental title longer than the Honky Tonk Man. And that rain started today in 1987. (laughs) You know the expression, if you have nothing
0: nice to say, don't say anything at all. And usually I take that opportunity to do the opposite. I'm going to evoke that, invoke that right now.
1: Okay. Uh, Stupidest thing ever. (laughs) Sorry. Hey. That, but, uh, that's one of those
0: we, we've put Wayne Ferris over many many times I can't believe I just remember his name like that yeah, like that yeah put him over many times before he was the honk man it, nobody talks enough about how good he was he was great yeah, it, great as, wrestler
1: as part of the blonde bombers in Tennessee he and Larry Latham Dog spot were a hell of a heel tag team um, And that were really over in Memphis Let's and just say the WWE kind of...
0: didn't show his best
1: No No, but, That's more them than him Sorry, go yeah. ahead But for whatever reason, 454 days 15 months he... <laughs>
0: They drop it to like the And next he dropped it in 30 nice seconds
1: <laughs> to, the worst, to the worst human being who's ever held the title But it started today uh, nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, uh, we had uh two two big. Uh, we lost two legends on this day, June, June oh, 2nd, joy! Not a good day. Uh, nineteen ninety-eight. We lost uh at a very young age of forty-five. We lost the great Sylvester Ritter. Ah,
0: uh, uh, that's right. Your
1: dog died in a car crash on this date. And in two thousand three, we lost the fashion plate of wrestling. Uh, one of the early um. Uh, in the late '50s, uh, early '60s, in the golden age of TV, this man was on nationwide television throughout, and was one of the most well-known, just celebrities in Los Angeles, uh, the, the heart of where television city was. Uh, and he was also on the he was on the Dick Van Dyke Show. He was on the very first Regis Philbin show. He was. Um, a I big day. know that. And yes, he even got to have Dick Van Dyke in a body slam, and was dancing with him. But uh, we lost, in on uh, this day, 2003, we lost the great Freddie Blassie. Uh, man, with so many stories. And as a kid, I just knew him as one of the three wise men from the East. Just someone yeah. to boo. With him, Luau, Bannon, the Grand Wizard. And it wasn't until, Dan, it was my father. And when I was watching wrestling, uh, we had two repairmen were in my kitchen. Repairing the sink, and I was why I couldn't be interrupted because I had to watch my wrestling. Uh, and the two guys were talking, were saw me watching wrestling, and on commentary, doing a horrible job, was Antonina Rocca. And at ringside, managing the Wolfman, was Fred Blassie. And these two repairmen would go on and on about how great Rocca was and how amazing Fred Blassie was. And I was like, this guy? Defense blonde guy with the cane? Yeah. And he's like, oh yes. And uh, but the history, I mean my dad was saying it, but now these two strangers who were fixing my sink were talking about how great Freddie Blassie was and Antonio and Antonino Rocco was. So when I got of age, and back when and when information was more readily available, I did a deep dive on Freddie Blassie, and I remember even a uh interview that. Dusty Rhodes, when he was promoting his feud with superstar Billy Graham, he was talking about how, how superstar stole the belt. Bruno Sammartino, the greatest wrestler in this area of all time. Okay, and the managers here, Lua Paddle, the great Freddie Blassie. Freddie Blassie was a heel, but Dusty Rhodes was putting him over as great. Uh, Freddie Blassie, um, other than Buddy Rogers. Was probably head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of getting heat and being a heel in the late 50s, early 60s.
0: That was one of those guys that um, when I was growing up, even my grandmother had things to say about him, because yeah. that was a guy when uh, she didn't watch, but her husband did. Uh, my grandfather did. Um. Oh, Freddie Blassie's still on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Fred. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, I hate All that right. son of a <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Legend had it that Freddie Blassie's uh, wrestling match with Ricky Dozan, which uh, drew 35 million viewers in Japan, caused at least three heart attacks uh, because of... Uh, Jesus! The, the, the When biting the, the flesh off the forehead of Ricky Dozan. Jesus
0: Christ. No, I was testing my mic.
1: Out. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. No, I thought you had to do. it. Yeah, yet, my bad. Freddie Blassie, uh, King of Men was the name <laughs> of his album. Uh, My Breakfast with Blassie was an uh, underground hit with uh, Andy Kaufman uh, talking to Freddie. And you know, I've never going. been able to track that down to watch it. Yeah, that's why I said underground. Uh, it came out. On, How does that uh, not exist? I don't, I. It wasn't even on Andy's disc. I'm from Hollywood. It wasn't even on there. Either. I am
0: from Hollywood.
1: Yeah, but My Breakfast with Blassie, if you could track it down somewhere, uh, do yourself a favor. But I just thought he was a guy that called people pencil neck geeks, but Freddie Blassie Um, and the the last Freddie Blassie tip of the amount of respect that he had. Uh, when Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, Dudley, uh, I follow him on Twitter because every once in a while he, I guess when he's bored or something, he'll just say, "Hey, ask me anything, I'll answer it. I got time." Uh, so I asked him a question and he got back to me right away. I said to him, "I said you and Devon pretty much never had a manager during your whole career, but if you could have one manager," Walking down the aisle for one match, past or present, who would it be? In less than thirty seconds, he wrote me back, Freddie Blassie.
0: Wow! Uh, apparently, it is um, readily available on Apple TV and Amazon
1: Prime. Okay. And Tubi TV for free. Okay. Well, I've got right. Amazon. I've got Amazon and Apple, so I will check out one of those platforms. It's
0: with a premium pres- uh, prescription. Why? It's the eighth time I've done that today. Subscription. <laughs> it's a-
1: Prescription? Okay. Oh, you
0: have to have a subscription with Fandor. Oh, fuck okay. out here. All right. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's see. Tubi for free. Apparently, you just put in your age. It's like Pluto. You watch it for free. Well, there you go. It's a okay. Tubi. So go to that website. Watch it on your old
1: computer. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I figured, Sorry. the only way to could. Yeah, couldn't resist. Gotta get that dig in there. But hey. I only said it fan- because it was perfect tonight. It is perfect. Yes, fans. Guess what? No stopping or starting. Thanks to my uh, tech guru, uh, Mr. Kalachiko, I've now, my modem is unobstructed and I have a clear and present signal so I can come to you. I want to ask the slide. Is that where they put it when they put it in here? Yeah. It's behind my speakers. Offline. I'll do that off air. Okay. Uh, And finally, on this date, uh, I only included this date because to me, this was the last time. I saw a legitimate reaction from a live crowd, Mm. and this might have been because of the decline of wrestling, because I haven't seen anything like this since, but I put it down as one of the great uh, turns in professional wrestling, only because no one saw it coming, and because of the genuine shock that it, it, when it happened in the territory days, if you were lucky enough to see it live, it was big when I read about Turned in the after magazine, it still hit me. But seven years ago today, 2014, uh, the last big turn, the last one to really get me, uh, Seth Rollins Turned on the Shield.
0: What a moment. It really is. It was the last... It is the last time anybody was like... What? Wait, what? It was... Yeah, yeah, it really was. It was a good moment. It's still a great moment. That that yeah. goes down as a classic moment. I'll put I'll say it.
1: Well.
0: Wow. Always yeah. have a plan B. And yeah. just see it was played perfectly. The camera angle was perfect. You couldn't have yeah. well, you could have written it. Yeah. Uh, better because it literally was written. <laughs> <Or> <laughs>
1: mind. And the random aside here, that 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 phrase i don't know why because I I might because I, I write or it just, it's always bugged me. Especially the last couple of years during our, our, our previous regime, where people would say, "You can't write this stuff," or "You can't make it the- Yeah, you can.
0: yeah. I try not to say that. That's why I was like, "Wait, yeah. no, obviously you can." Thing, we just the, wrote the. Yeah, name,
1: the so. you, yeah. Someone wrote Star Wars. You could write this stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah it, it's a it's a bullshit. Yeah, well, uh, you phrase can't make,
0: like, "Can't make this stuff up." You, not, you, but I did. I just. You,
1: yeah. Well, you, you can make this up because people have made up worse than this. So. <laughs>
0: Stinking RoboCop, but I digest. I stole that from you.
1: (laughs) Uh, And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a Wrestling Historian. And you can follow me for any and all wrestling history tidbits and comic book guru stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Ligon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me. On Twitter at Dan Law eighty three, all
0: social media platforms. If you've seen the on the on the screen and on Twitch, has been scrolling by the whole time. Uh, all all social media platforms. Dan Law eighty three, the HIC Talk Radio Network. Type that in to your podcast app or Spotify. Subscribe, follow the new HIC Talk Radio Network, born again from the ashes. Look for the new black and red logo. All of our old podcasts again on VOC Nation Radio Network, and thank you for them for the year. The year and a half or two years, been a year and a half of giving us a home away from home until I got the HIC network back up and running again, and we are. All the Stadium Journey, Obey the Puck, Manic Mixtape, Nerd Herders, Pro Wrestling Podcast, all there. Or, if you want to watch us again, if you missed this, or you want to see the old one, youtube.com slash danlaw83 for Craig and Guns. I am the above average comedian Comcast customer support. (laughs) See you next week. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.